again, and I'm going to keep on saying it, and I know y'all going to get tired of me saying it because I say it all the time, but y'all could have been somewhere else today, but y'all chose to be here, and I'm thankful for it. And it happened differently for each person that is sitting in the pew today. You know, for some of y'all, y'all couldn't wait to get here. New series, who this? Y'all were excited about it, all right? I saw some of y'all sharing on social. Come come see what's happening. And some of y'all, but y'all came searching for something that you don't have. And, and hopefully you find it today. Some of y'all, may you came just because that's what you do. It's Sunday. That's your weekly routine. That's how you start the week off right. Man, for some of y'all, man, it's been a while, but you came because the break is over. For some of y'all, I'm going to be honest, y'all didn't have a choice. Maybe your parents said, hey, as long as you live underneath this house, underneath this roof, you're going to be at church on Sunday and the car leaves in 15 minutes. So get ready, all right? Man, some of y'all were invited by a friend, some of y'all by a family member. Man, there's a ton of different reasons that got you here, but I want y'all to realize that God is the orchestrator of those events, right? Man, he's the reason that you're here this morning. And so because you're here this morning, man, I want to say don't zone out, but instead zone in on what he wants to do in your life. So if you're ready, somebody say, let's go. All right, a handful of y'all ready, but the rest of y'all, I can't wait for you, all right? Man, I'm sorry, I just gotta go, all right? So, man, uh, here's the thing. I can't help but be excited about today. Man, uh, like Joe said, we're wrapping up the weekend, and let me tell you something. If you didn't realize, Saturday, it was popping up here at Ridgecrest. Man, we had some events taking place that helped try to make transitions, which sometimes Man, moving into a different area in ministry is hard, but we're trying to make it easier. And so I got to witness some amazing things. The new Ridge 5-6 crew, they gathered upstairs for some training, and then they, they hopped into two vans and took a retrocade road trip right down the road. And then, oh my goodness, like the student ministry, they gathered for a wild welcome that lasted 10 hours long. Somebody say, that's a long time, all right? But man, that wasn't it, because after 10 hours, and Ryan said, everybody's gotta go home unless you're a seventh and eighth grader, and then the party keeps on continuing, and, and they moved it over to an epic overnighter at two amazing host homes. So Witt family, Litchfield family, thank y'all so much for loving on our students like you did, and how you uh, welcomed the new seventh and eighth graders, and man, it was a great time had by all. Like, there was a ton of fun had at these events, but it was more than fun because by your student or your kid attending this event, man, they took a sneak peek into what the next years of discipleship will look like for both our rich five, six group and our rich students. And so, man, it didn't stop yesterday. Then we got here this morning. And like Joel said, it was level up Sunday. In fact, man, I was walking through the commons and I was just saying hi to people. And I said hi to my friend Colson. And he looked at me and he said, I'm moving up today. And, and like he, he knew the drill, all right? Like the smile on his face, I hadn't seen a smile on somebody's face when they were moving up since I seen it on George and Wheezy. And I told him that and he said, man, I have no idea who that is. I said, man, your, your, your dad will explain later, all right? But seriously, huge milestones happening all over the building as people leveled up from nursery leveling up into the kids ministry from kids to students from students to young adults man we were big stepping all through the halls this morning and, and it was a beautiful thing and, and it's things like this weekend I man it's things like this morning 
that remind me just how faithful God is, how merciful he continues to be day after day and week after week and month after month for our church. Man, that's something that we can rejoice in because God is faithful. God is merciful. God is doing his part. Church family, are you willing to do our part? And so that's what brings us here this morning. See, we're starting a brand new series that we're calling Love God and Love Others. And as God continues to be faithful and merciful, we need to be a church who loves God and loves others. Man, if you're willing, y'all repeat after me. I'm going to say it and then y'all say it after me. Love God and love others. Now it's your turn. All right, now some of y'all woke up, all right, that's good. Look at your neighbor and say it one more time. Just elbow them and look at them and say, love God, love others. All right, one more time. Let's say it all together on the count of three. One, two, three. Love God and love, uh, ooh, wee, man, that'll preach. Like, that's good stuff. Somebody needs to put that on a T-shirt or something, all right? And so here's the thing. Man, let me be transparent for a minute because it's way easier to say those words than it is to walk out those words. It's easier to say them than it is to live them out. And see, it doesn't just happen easily. It doesn't happen overnight. Man, it's gotta be a culture. We have to be intentional. In some churches, man, they're great at the first part, but yet they struggle with the second half. Man, others, they struggle with the first part, but they excel, they excel at the second part. And we need to be a church that is about both parts of that phrase. In church family, we can no longer just be content about talking about it. Man, we got to do more than just talk about it. We have to be willing to be about it. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to be breaking down the 12th chapter of Paul's letter to the churches in Rome to help us better understand how we can get our vertical and our horizontal relationships right. And so today we're going to focus on the first half of that phrase. Today we're going to focus on love God. And like I said, we're going to be in Romans 12 and we'll be sitting in verses 1 through 8. And as we focus on our vertical relationship if we're going to be a church that loves God, we must be a church that loves worship. I mean, if we're going to be a church that loves God, we must be a church that loves diversity. And if we're going to be a church that loves God, we must be a church that loves service. So as you tap, turn, and scroll your way to chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Man, I just want to remind you that the big numbers are the chapters and the small numbers are the verses. Man, and if you don't have a pew, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one located in the pew. Man, use it, take it home, pull it, put it to good use, and, and, and you can keep it as a gift from us. But man, as we jump into Romans chapter 12, let me ask you to join me in praying three things. Man, let's pray that God would speak. Let's pray that we would listen. And let's pray that the truth would set us free. Join me in prayer, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for all that you have done and what you continue to do in and through this church. God, I pray for today's service. God, I pray for our time of studying your word. And God, I pray that, man, you would speak loud and clear to us today. God, I, I, I pray that you would drown out all 
different types of distractions. God, I pray that you would let us hear the things that you have for us today. And God, I pray that as you speak loud and clear, God, I pray that as, man, we try to listen, God, I pray that you would help set us free. Man, God, I pray that you would help set us free from the sin that just entangles us and weighs us down from running your race. God, I pray that you would change us. God, I pray that you would help us be able to live a brand new life, leaving forward, moving forward as we leave here today. God, we ask all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Okay, so first things first, man, in case you weren't writing it down real quick, I'm going to say it a little slower so you can get it. But if we are going to be a church that is serious about loving God, we need to be a church that loves worship, all right? We're going to throw it back on the screen one more time. And so, man, if we're going to be a church who loves God, we need to be a church that loves worship. Now, some of y'all, you're already like, hey, I'm there. I'm there, man, you're speaking my love language. Like I love to worship, I'm here for that. I sit on the back row, but they can hear me all the way in the front of the church, all right? Man, I love those 7-Eleven songs. You know, they only got seven words, but we sing them 11 times and I love that kind of stuff. This is how I fight my battles. Like that's all that song says, but you say it 99 times, I'm here for that, all right? Man, some of y'all are like, man, you know what? Uh, I would love worship if it wasn't so loud. I would love worship if it, was, if it was more my style. I would love worship if it was more my preference. You know, I don't feel like I can worship unless I'm holding something in my hand. And, and so we have these different, uh, you know, types of uh, opinions. But here's the thing. I thought this could go without saying, but I think I still have to say it. Stop confining worship to just the songs before and after the message. Let me say it one more time. Stop confining worship to just the songs that we sing on a Sunday because worship is far more than a set list. I mean, it's way more than just your Jesus jams. Worship is a lifestyle. I mean, it's your entire life. Church family, it's not just the songs that we sing. Man, it's the way that you get into the word. It's the way that you pray. It's the way that you sing those praises Man, it's the way that you approach your job. It's the way that you walk in and through your victories and your defeats. It's the way that you turn your losses into lessons. It's the way that you communicate with your family and those around you. All of it. Man, it's all of it. And it needs to be worshipful. And Paul begins chapter 12 with a call to a heavy commitment. In verse one, he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Listen, man, he's saying, I appeal, I beseech, I urge, I beg. Paul is talking to these people as their families. He uses, like he always does, brothers and sisters in terms that you would only use for a family. And he says, I am appealing to your will. Church family, God calls us to make a choice about the way we live for him. And that's why worship is a lifestyle. Man, think about all the mercies of God because he says, I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. 
And it had me thinking of all the mercies of God that Paul had explained to the churches in Rome just in chapters 1 through 11. Man, I try to make a list. I, I probably forgot some, but, but here's a list that I came up with. It says some of those mercies, justification from the guilt and penalty of sin, adoption in Jesus and identification with Christ. Man, that we were placed under grace, not law, that we've been given the Holy Spirit to live within, that we've been promised the promise of help in all affliction, assurance of standing in God's election, confidence of his coming glory, confidence of no separation from the love of God, confidence in God's continued faithfulness. And he's saying, hey, in light of all those things, in light of God's mercies, church family, have you taken a moment to reflect on the mercies that God has bestowed on your life? Man, I know that we live in a fast-paced world and we're always going from one thing to another, but, but guys, we got to slow down. And when we slow down and we remember the mercies of God, we can't help but worship him because that list is long. When we think about all the ways that he's blessed us, that list is long. And he's saying, in light of all this, in light of all these mercies, past, present, and future, I beg you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Man, he starts using terms that maybe we can't relate to, but the people of his day could totally relate to. But I'm going to break it down like this. God wants you. He wants you, not just your work. He wants you. Church family, we got to be careful because there's a lot of us that fall into the trap of doing all kinds of work for God, but yet we've never given God ourselves. We've given him all these works and we serve and we serve and we serve, yet we forgot the most important step, the first step, and that's to give him our life. And when we give him our life, man, we can't help but serve him. See, first century people, man, both Jews and pagans, they knew firsthand what sacrifice was all about. And so for Paul to beg that they make themselves a living sacrifice, man, that was a, a, that was a bold image. That was a striking image. But the sacrifice is living because it's brought alive to the altar. And it stays alive at the altar. It's ongoing. It's all throughout the day. And when the day ends, man, it starts the very next day. It continues. It's not just a once a week event. It's not something that just happens at 10.30 a.m. on Sundays. But again, it's a lifestyle. And the standard of those sacrifices made to God in the new covenant, man, they're just like the ones. It's just the same standards as the old covenant. They got to be holy and they got to be acceptable to God. So RBC, man, I want to encourage us to take our everyday, ordinary lives. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, taxiing your kids all over town type of lives and place it before God as a living sacrifice. Man, place it before God as your offering. Don't hold on to certain things, but instead give it all to God and embracing what God does for you that's the best thing that you can do for him. But then Paul doesn't stop there. He transitions into verse two. 
with a warning. Y'all look at verse two with me, man. He gives them a warning not to become so well adjusted to their culture that they fit into it without it even thinking. He says, don't conform to this world. Don't copy the world's behaviors and the customs, but instead fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. See, some of us are looking for a change and and we only want to see that change that's visible. That's on the outside. But God is saying, man, give me your everything and I will change you. But the change is going to start from the inside and it's going to overflow into the outside. And so how do we worship if we need to be a church that loves God and to do so, we need to love worship. How do we do this? Well, he tells us we need to think differently. He says we do it by the renewal of our minds. See, the problem with many Christians is they feel that they live a life that's based on feelings or they're only concerned about doing. And so, man, we got to kick those ways of thoughts to the curb. See, a life based on feelings says, how do I feel today? How do I feel about my job? How do I feel about my wife? How do I feel about school? How do I feel about worship? How do I feel about that preacher? And this life of feeling will never know the transforming power of God because it ignores the renewal of our minds. But another trap is the trap of doing. Some people say, whoa, pump the brakes, Pastor Justin, like, I don't need the theology. I don't need the scripture. Just tell me what to do. Give me the four points for this or the seven keys for that. I'm great at lists. Give me a list because all I want to do is check it off and go through the list. And and I, I know I'm achieving right. But here's the problem with that. Men, the life of doing will never know the transforming power of God because it ignores the renewal of our minds. You see, God, he's never against the principles of feeling and doing. Man, he's a God that's powerful and passionate and he has passionate feelings and and he commands us to be doers of the word. But I want to let you know that feelings and doing are completely insufficient foundations for the Christian life. So the first question cannot be, well, how does that make you feel? Or what do I do? But instead, our first question, if we want to be about worship is, man, what is true here? What does God's word tell me in this moment? What is scripture saying? And in doing so, man, he keeps on going and he says, we find the will of God that is perfect and pleasing. See, Paul breaks it down and says, you want to live out the will of God? You want to know how to do this? He says, first, remember the mercies of God. Second, man, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Man, give your entire self to him. And don't be conformed to the world. Man, stop copying the thoughts and the actions of our culture, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Man, focus on God's word and fellowship with him. And then in verse three, he gives a warning and he says, stay humble. See, Paul does not tell the believer to take an attitude that finds pleasure in humiliation or degradation, 
but rather the idea is that we should see truth about ourselves and live in the light of it. And what I mean by that is when we see ourselves as we really are, it's impossible to be given over to pride. Guys, if we want to truly love worship, if we want to worship him the way that he says, if we want to give him our whole selves, man, it's nothing about what we're doing. It's nothing about what we're doing. In fact, the only way to accurately understand ourselves is by what God is doing and by what he has done for us, not by what we're doing and what we've done for him. So we can't get that twisted. Don't mix it up. He says, stay humble. And so church family, man, we need to be a church who loves worship. But secondly, if we're serious about being a church who loves God, we need to be a church that loves diversity. I'm going to say it one more time. We need to be a church that loves diversity. Guys, this is not just some hot topic vocabulary word. We need to be a church that loves diversity. Man, there used to be a, man, an ongoing prayer of my life, that my life, that my job, that my church, that we would become more diverse. And, and, and the problem is I was short selling what God wanted to do. And sometimes we short sell it to how we understand the definition or the certain type of example that we latch on to. But let me tell you something real quick. Man, for as in one body, we have many members, right? Look at verses four and five. Man, we're one body, but we have many members and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Man, one thing that I need you to understand today is that you're different. <laughs> it's fun to say that. Like, I'm looking, man, Mr. Crawford, you're different. Jay Boshar, you're different. All right? Like, that's fun. All right? I'm giggling. Maybe you need to just elbow your neighbor real quick. Whoever's sitting by you, just look at them and say, man, you're different. All right? And it's okay. All right? May you're different and it's okay because our differences, our diversity is okay because we're all one in Christ. See, our church needs to love diversity. We need to celebrate our differences because it's those differences that are so powerful when we come together and we're unified in Christ. In fact, unity and diversity, man, it's the theme that runs through these verses. Man, Pastor Ryan, he has sent me this uh, commentary, and, and this is one of the things that, that I thought was well stated. It says, this unity, however, which is spiritual, was only possible because the members were in Christ. So church family, we have to understand that joined by faith, you know, we become part of the body of Christ. We're different. But we have different jobs, we have different functions, but since we are all members of one body, it makes sense that each member belonged to all and each other. Church family, man, the Christian faith, it really is a corporate experience. Man, you can't do it by yourself. 
If somebody has told you that, they have not told you the truth. If you believe that, you are not understanding how we've been designed. Because although each member has come to faith by separate and individual acts of faith, the believing community lives out its Christian experience in fellowship with one another. Man, we are wired to live life together. Yes, we're diverse and we love that, but we celebrate our diversity through the unity that is found in Christ. We are not designed to function as the church of Jesus Christ all on our own. Man, I've heard this term, Lone Ranger Christianity, that's an oxymoron. Those words, they don't line up, they don't match. Man, true Christianity cannot be done as a Lone Ranger. Man, in the body of Christ, there is unity, but not uniformity. See, we're not just all the same. We're not all robots. We're unified in Christ. But man, we're a diverse group of people. We're different. And we can celebrate those differences because we have a common ground. We are one in the body of Christ. And finally, lastly, church, if we want to be serious about loving God, we need to be a church that loves service. I'm going to say it one more time. Men, if we want to be serious about loving God, we need to be a church that loves service. Some of y'all, y'all think of the word service and all you think of is Sunday service. And you said, man, I'd love Sunday service if it was only 45 minutes long. All right. But, but here's the thing. It's beyond just a gathering. All right. Man, when we look at verses six through eight, six, seven, and eight, Paul starts talking about these different spiritual gifts that have been given to believers. And so just like I wanted you to know that you're different, man, I want you to know that you're gifted. Man, if you are in Christ, he has gifted you spiritually. Now I know, man, my kids, they, they love gifts. Woo, they love gifts. If you say, man, I got something for you and it's a surprise, you better not pump it up too much because they're like, oh, this is all? Like, I thought I was getting something huge, all right? This right here, we pump it up big because it is big. You've been gifted spiritually. Church family, we can show God our love by using the gifts that he has given us to serve the church and serve it well. Man, I saw that this weekend. Man, as a parent who sent my son to the Ridge 5-6 Retrocade road trip, and as a parent who sent my daughter to the student's wild welcome and, and was not just able just to send them there, but to see how our church family came together to serve them. People opened up their homes and hosted groups of middle school kids, guys. Y'all realize how dangerous that is, all right? <laughs> Jay Beauchart had done that for like 40 years plus. He knows, like, sometimes your kitchen table gets messed up, Jay, right? Remember, you had to come into my office and, and he said, man, there was a lot of great things, but there was one thing that wasn't great about this weekend. This is several years ago. Uh, 
Justin, do you know how to refinish the table? I said, I don't. And he said, don't worry, I know a guy, all right? But you, but, but you need to pay for it, Justin, all right? <laughs> no, man, sometimes, sometimes serving, man, it's tough and it's difficult. But here's the thing, man, we are blessed when people serve with their spiritual gifts that they've been given. I mean, spiritual gifts, they're not given on the basis of merit, but because God has chosen to give them. We don't walk around with our spiritual gift like, yeah, that's right. Y'all see how I'm gifted? Oh, the Lord loves me a little bit more than he loves you. No. And, and in fact, man, if he's given us those gifts and we're not even using them, man, we're, we're not being good stewards of the gifts. Man, we're being wasteful, all right? Man, since we find ourselves making up all these different parts of Christ's body, man, let us go ahead and be what we were made to be without you know, checking out what other people have been gifted with. Man, let's stop being envious. Let's stop being prideful. Let's stop comparing ourselves with each other. But and let's start trying to be something that we're not. Man, ask God to show you how he's gifted you and use those gifts. Take the gifts that we've been given and use it to serve our church. Man, if you want to love God, serve him well with the gifts that he's given you. See, Paul mentioned some of them. Man, he talks about prophecy. Hey, if you preach, just preach God's word. Don't add other things to it. Man, he talks about ministry and service. Man, if you help and serve, just help and serve. Don't take over. He talks about teaching. Man, if you teach, stick to your teaching. And if you exhort, man, if you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy with it. Man, he talks about those who lead. And he says, man, if you're put in charge, lead out and don't manipulate. He talks about those who give. That's their spiritual gift. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. Man, he talks about those who show mercy. Man, if you're called to work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them, but keep a smile on your face. Guys, let me brag because where my office is, man, I share a wall with the person who is, is serving as the church receptionist for that day. See, we, we don't have one person, man. We have, you know, a series of people who fulfill that role on a volunteer basis. Like it's not based on commission. Well, it is commission. It's based on the great commission, all right? And so they're sitting in that seat and they're trying to live it out. And there's people that come in and they're needy and they need stuff and their story is wild. And, and, and maybe they look different than us and maybe they talk different than us. Maybe they smell different than us. But here's the thing. I've seen these ladies love on these people day after day the way that we should all love on people in need. Man, they, they're living out this spiritual gift of mercy. Man, they don't get irritated. They don't get depressed. They serve them with a smile on their face. Church family in closing. Man, we can't just talk about these things. We gotta be about these things. And so if Jesus has taken residence up inside you, man, if you've given your life to Christ and you're a Christ follower, you should be living different. Man, you will act differently. 
You will love differently. You will live differently. And the differences, they're not due to the strength that you have or your effort or your zeal. The differences, man, they're due to the persistent work of Jesus Christ in you. Not so you could boast, not so you could be prideful, but so you understand where the strength comes from and you give it all to him. See, man, if we want to be a church that loves God and loves others, we got to understand some of those things. Man, if we want to be a church that loves God, we got to be a church that loves worship. We must become a church who loves diversity and we must become a church who loves service. If you would, pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for the mercies that you have bestowed upon us. God, that list is long and God forgive us for when we go through our life so fast and so furious that we forget that we think that you haven't done anything for us. God, thank you for those mercies. God, thank you for your faithfulness. God, it's with that in mind that we come to you. Help us to come to you as a living sacrifice, giving you our everything, not holding back anything. Man, we're no longer holding on to the things of the world or the culture. We've let go of them and we grabbed on to the things of scripture. And God, we're asking you to renew our minds, to transform us. God, that's what we're asking for. So we can love you more with all that we have. And God, as you do that, don't let us get puffed up, God. Don't let us get prideful. But God, let us understand that you've gifted us with things. Let us search for clarity on how you gifted us and let us take those gifts and serve your church well. Not by ourselves, but next to our brothers brothers and sisters in Christ who have different gifts because we're diverse. God, let us celebrate the diversity because it's all found within the unity of Christ. And that's what brings us back together. God, we want to serve you well. Help us to be a church that serves you. God, if there's somebody here today that says, you know what, man, this church is amazing. I've been getting served. But maybe today is the day that I want to begin to serve others. God, let that be true in their life today. God, for others, man, maybe they're here and you're wanting to do a life-changing work in them today. God, you got them here and and you want to bring them out of death and into life. God, I pray that that would take place today. God, I know there's others that are here that you've saved their life, but they have not allowed you to lord over their life. And God, I know you want to do some some heart work on them today. God, I know you want to soften our hearts that have been hardened to the ways of the Lord. You want to soften them and you want us to walk differently from now on. 
And God, I know there's some people in this room where you've changed their life. But man, they haven't told one person about it. In fact, there might be some people surprised when they do. Because maybe their actions don't walk it out. God, help encourage them not to keep the greatest thing that's ever happened to them just bottled up as a secret. God, let them come make it a public profession of faith, even today. God, as we transition into this time of response and reflection, God, I pray that we will reflect on all that you've done for us and we will respond to what your spirit is calling us to do. In your name we pray, amen.